As long as she could lick oil into the joints of her feet and legs, his dog would be able to compose herself nearly as beautifully as she had in her first year. There was a joy in looking at her and watching the years drop away. He would never understand how anyone could call an animal as graceful as Sheila clumsy. While he was drinking coffee and Sheila was gnawing at the same treat she gnawed at every morning, the phone rang. Please don't be Richard. How you doing, Dad? John could hear his son David's students in the background. Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat-a-tat-tat. Drum solos? He asked. Practice for Saturday's game, David said. The snares were muffled just enough to sound like an approaching army. We're working on sticking with the beat. A hand over the phone. Keep together, guys. Keep it going, just like that. The hand removed. Sorry. I wanted to know if you'd talked to Richard yet. Why? Dad, David sighed. You haven't, have you? Have you called him? The business between Richard and me, John said, feeling as prickly as he knew he sounded, is nobody else's business. And frankly, it's none of Richard's damn business either. It sucks, Dad, I know. Trust me, I know better than anyone how bad it sucks but you could lose your pension going against the county like this. To hell with my pension. David sighed again. The drums behind him, metallic and sharp, snapped off beats like rubber bands. Rat-a-tat, rat-a-tat, tat-tat. Just promise me that if he doesn't call by tonight, you'll call him. You better get back to those kids. They're losing cohesion. Tell me about it. It's called high school. But Dad... It was good of you to call, son. Talk to Richard, David said again before hanging up. Please. I love her too, but she's only a dog. Mom wouldn't have wanted to see you screw up your good name over this. David, well-intentioned as he was, couldn't remember Millie the way John did. Quiet, stubborn, brilliant Millie. John returned to the table and sipped his coffee slowly, thinking of her. His wife had been proud of him, yes, and proud of his work. Millie's support was a source of comfort when he found himself agonizing over a particularly difficult draft of an opinion. It helped him, knowing that she invested a great deal of herself in being the wife of a circuit court judge. But Millie had also loved Sheila. Some of their neighbors had balked at being introduced to a mechanimal, as pets like Sheila had occasionally been called then but Millie had been as gentle and happy with the computerized dog as with the biological terriers she had owned in her rural youth. Up until the day she died, his wife could call Sheila to her with nothing more than a jangle of her turquoise bracelets. No matter where she was, asleep on their platform bed, watching for the mail truck, poking through the tall grass with David, the spaniel would come running. John had been convinced there was something about Millie's illness that Sheila could sense. It was impossible for him not to think so, watching the liver and white head settle onto his wife's narrow lap, the amber eyes follow every small gesture that passed between partners. Even now, each of Millie's many gestures, sounds, and scents was probably stored somewhere in Sheila's incorruptible memory. Perhaps that was one of the many reasons he loved her, her ability to hold on to these details. When Millie died, only Sheila seemed as inconsolable as John. 
Sheila was his companion when David started school, joined the hockey team, the swim team, became a teenager, went to college. And now it was Sheila who kept him from dreading the long, lonely expanse of the retirement he had always expected to share with his wife. Millie had been the one to nickname Sheila Our Little Lady. He had caught Millie once with the dog's beautiful wedge-shaped head in her hands, outlining very seriously Sheila's responsibilities to John and David once she was gone. She would never have wanted him to abandon the companion who still tied them together. A companion now who, Lord, how time could fly, had stuck beside him for an astounding twenty-five years. But still, there was Ginger Creek. John didn't understand it any more than anyone else. There were hundreds of possible explanations for why those three dogs had turned on the children they were programmed to protect.